You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey, y'all, it's Bridget here. I had the pleasure of chatting with one of my dearest friends, mentor and co-author, Mary Barranco. Mary's passion for education and commitment to hospitality, adult beverage, and food industries has fueled her career for over three decades. She's led national sales organizations in the beverage industry and built dynamic talent development programs for major consumer product companies. She also champions hospitality trade education focused on wine, spirits, mixology, and service. Mary combines her work, hobbies, and love for her family and friends with at-home entertainment. Nothing brings her greater joy than creating memories together while baking beautiful treats or sharing cocktails. Mary is my co-author of Market Fresh Mixology, also my co-author of Life, Love, Happiness, and Cocktails, and again, my dear friend and mentor. So sit back, grab a sip, smith, and tonic, and enjoy the show. Mary, welcome to Served Up. I am so excited to have you on the show. Well, you know, it's it's been a long time that I've been listening to your podcast, Bridget. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Now, Mary, you know, I've had the the fortune um, and just, man, just of knowing you for such a long time. And you have definitely been one of my business mentors, one of my dear friends. I think over the, it's been like 17 years. So for quite some time, and you were really the very first um, woman um, that I had ever um, had the pleasure of being around and learning from in corporate America. And I had the pleasure of watching you, you know, really work your way up through the ranks and inspire others and mentor others. But before we go there, can you tell our listeners a bit about what brought you into the beverage industry? Oh my gosh. So it was purely by accident. I was, I was supposed to be teaching in the Chicago public school system. And I was recruited by a company that sold Brillo soap pads and laundry detergent and sweetheart pink dish liquid. And what does that have to do with beverage industry? So I sold for them and was a manager for that company because I couldn't earn enough money being a teacher. And I had to leave that field because I needed to buy a new car. There were so many things I needed in those days. And so I was selling for them and I was managing a team for them. And Ernest and Julio Gallo Winery actually recruited me from that role to come in and to help them build their wine business in the restaurant industry. And in those days, it was, it was just the most, the most amazing company, an incredible opportunity. But we were basically selling three liters of Chablis. You know, cork finished wine was something that was unique. That was pre white Zinfandel, if you will. So they gave me an opportunity to come in and 
during college, I had served tables and I was fond of wine, very, very fond of wine. And to me, it was just one of the luckiest opportunities because it opened up an entire world for me around beverage, around wine, around the passion for wine and around an industry full of people who I absolutely adore working with. Well, so from your days with Gallo, where did you go next? So I spent almost eight years with Ernest and Julio Gallo, and um, I basically built their national account division for the food service trade. And so we put their products literally on the map in accounts like Olive Garden, Red Lobster, Hyatt Hotel, and so on. And from there, I was I was there for about eight years, and I was so dedicated and passionate about you know it's just selling and training and working with the staff because. Obviously, when you when you serve and you wait on tables through college, you learn a whole lot about the restaurant back of the house in front of the house. And so it was a place I was really comfortable. And I was recruited from there to a little company that in those days, it was called Sutter Home Winery. And they were the producers of the white Zinfandel. And they were selling white Zinfandel all over the US. It was like the first actual cork finished wine that people felt confident and comfortable to order. And so today that company is called Tricaro Family Estates and they really made something of their little winery, but their first success was truly White's Infidel, if you could believe it. Yeah, that's amazing. So I know that you were in the wine world for quite some time. Um, what was the moment that got you into the spirit side? Oh, of gosh. Our well, I've always been in the spirit side of the industry. You can't be in the wine side without loving the spirit side. But I truly believe that the the moment I fell in love with the spirit side was probably the day that I met you. You know, I was truly, I truly thought of myself as someone who was wine knowledgeable and who could have a cocktail every now and then. But until I met you and started working with you and the whole world that you opened up for me at Southern, then Southern Wine and Spirits was just so different. And so incredibly innovative and creative. And the people were amazingly dedicated to building great cocktails in the industry. So I think I fell in love with spirits when I met you. That's amazing. Cause I remember, I remember the day that I, I met you, you know, at the Southern Glaciers office, then going in for my first interview and, and, um, oh my gosh, talk about like the good old days, right? You know, there was definitely something special there when I had the opportunity to learn from you every single day. Um, so it was just one of the greatest times of my life, truly. I would love to know a little bit about what have you done personally in the spirit world? Oh, wow. So the best part of the whole journey through the spirit world was switching from being in the sales side to being to the people side with the human capital, where I was able to work in people development and talent development. You know, I had an opportunity when, when my daughter was very young to switch careers and leave sales. And I joined at that time, it was Southern of Illinois. Actually, it was Romano distributing in those early days. And then it was Southern Wine and Spirits of Illinois. And I joined their training and talent department and I came in from a sales side and was really only going to do that for about a year, but I fell in love with it. And what I learned there was not only how to train people inside of the distributor, 
and the leaders inside the distributor. But also what we did was we built training for the trade, which was truly one of the most incredible opportunities that anybody could have. So when I say that I fell in love with spirits the day that I met you, we brought you in to the organization. It was kind of a new position and it hadn't been done a lot before. Mixology, it was funny because every time I would type it into my computer, the word oncology would come up. It kept trying to auto-correct the word. It was so crazy because it was a new word. People didn't use that. What was a mixologist? You mean oncologist. And so it was that long ago, but we had the opportunity to build, if you remember, the, 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 the academy together in Chicago, bring the United States Bartenders Guild to Illinois and to really just define, you know, what it meant to make a cocktail that tastes good, that was fresh, that you were proud to serve. And it just, to me, being part of that, and I was only part of that. I observed you. I empowered you from the back of the house. You did everything on the front line. Um, but to see the people in the industry also come into their own and really just the passion around mixology and cocktails, it felt like it was a revolution at the time, really. I don't think I had much to do with it. I think I saw a lot of it firsthand. And I really, I felt like you were probably the biggest contributor to that in, on the team, certainly through the years. Um, but I, I feel like I only got to observe it. I was just lucky enough to see the magic that was happening. I really feel like it changed a lot about the industry in Chicago. I don't think you give yourself enough credit, Mary, because you really had the vision of creating that position early on in 2005, which was just really the start of the, what we are calling like the second golden age of the cocktail. And so it was just, I think all about right timing and having the right vision. And it was shortly after when we started working together, um, a publisher had reached out to me about writing a cocktail book. And I'm the first one to say, I am not a writer, folks. No, no, sorry, not a writer. <laughs> but I knew Mary was. And so can we talk um, about the experience of writing our first book, which was called Market Fresh Mixology, and what that impact had on you? Well, look, it changed my life. I think that little book was, it was truly life-changing, not only because it helped me just become a greater advocate, ambassador for the industry to understand it, it, you know, it just, you're, you're holding it up in front of me, but, you know, just to become a greater ambassador to the industry, the, the thing that was so amazing was that you were, you know, your, your, your strategy was to be simple, be fresh, be, be easy. You know, cocktails are meant to be enjoyed. Let's make this fun. Right. So from the sales side and the business side and spirits, there's not a lot of fun. I have to tell you, it's a lot of work, right? And so working with you as the inspiration to be fun, that book truly, truly changed my whole outlook on what needed to be done and how to do it and how to engage people and how to engage the industry. So I learned so much that I thought I knew for all those years. But more than that, the pleasure of writing a book, right? The passion and the heart that you put into every cocktail, the stories behind the cocktails, the stories behind making the cocktails. You know, that was truly a work of just from the heart and from, you know, passion. We were able to speak on cruise lines, if you recall, and we got to travel the world because of that little book. 
and people were interested in hearing and seeing you. Again, I think I just got to observe very much, but you know, they were so interested in learning about simple and fresh and entertaining. And so, but we got to tell that story in so many different places. And, um, you know, our heart, I believe my heart, my heart is completely in that book. And I know yours is too. I just remember every single cocktail that we put in that book, Bridget, we made it from scratch. We did. And I remember driving to your house every single Sunday for, I feel like it was like for months and I would schlep all the bottles and all the equipment with the recipes on my scratchy paper. And I thought, well, Mary, you're going to have to make every single cocktail in this book. So when we go out and talk about it, you have so much street cred because you've actually made every single and, cocktail in the book. And we did. We made them and we wrote about them. And the funny thing was in those days, we were still telling people what a strainer was and how to strain a cocktail and what it meant to shake and how to shake a cocktail because, you know, it wasn't commonplace that people were, you know, showmen behind the bar. It wasn't, they didn't know how to rock a drink and rock a cocktail. And, you know, so, so we were still teaching that language that really is so commonplace today. And, you know, I, I not only think it changed my life, I think that everything was changing when that book came out. Right. I still, I still look at that book and the only thing I can do is smile you know, it was, it was cocktails for every season. And truly it was cocktails for every season for the rest of your life. It was just that incredibly fun to write and fun to bring out to the marketplace and just, you know, fun to participate in. Absolutely. To me, it was just a, like, just a true, true labor of love. Now I want to switch gears a little bit before we go back to what you're doing today and about the next book. And really talk about what changes have you seen in the beverage industry as a woman? You've been in the industry for, you know, some time and you have been an observer, as you've said, you have been in the room where it happens. Can you talk about some of your experiences and what has changed and what still needs to change? Yeah. So I, you know, it was 1981, Bridget, when I joined the industry. So if you could do the math, if you think I was old enough to drink in 1981, you know, I've been around for a long, long, long time and um, not enough has changed. And it's so true that not enough has changed. And I mean that through the lens of inclusion. So I think we've gotten better in the industry with paying attention to diversity, but I don't know that the heart is set right yet for the inclusion side. And that really means that everybody belongs. Everyone has an opportunity. Everyone grows. Um, I think that's still missing. And I remember it wasn't that many years ago that my daughter, she's truly an adult now. And, and it wasn't that many years ago that I wanted a job in the industry that I didn't get. I didn't even get a chance to interview for it. I deserve the interview. And I came home and at that time, uh, <laughs> someone else got it. It was, you know, typical, you know, just normal, the normal person that would get promoted within the industry. And of course it was a male. And I said to my daughter, I really have worked so hard to change things on your behalf in this world, but I don't feel like we've gotten there yet. And I just remember feeling so frustrated by that. And 
you know, today I look back and I look at what happened recently with the court of master sommeliers. And I look back at some of the stories that other women tell. And I know that we have come so far, but we have so far to go as women, as people of color in the industry, we are underrepresented in the beverage industry. And until the CEOs and the people at the tip top of the organization truly change, I will not believe the rhetoric that we've done enough. Yeah, I think we're just still scratching the surface. Um, Everything really started to change, let's say, at the beginning of the pandemic, especially during the, um, the social unrest due to George Floyd's murder. And when that happened, so many companies came out with statements on their commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is a terrific start. But there's so much work to still, you know, to be done. And especially in the beverage industry, where we have so many um, toxic situations that we're all very vulnerable to because we are working with beverage. Um, when you're behind the bar with the consumer, with strangers. And so we can only go up, right? We can only go up from here. But I would love to hear from you, Mary, on maybe what you think some actions that we can all be taking to make you know, the beverage world and even corporate America just a better place. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, You know, it's just it comes from kindness. Right. And it comes from treating people inside organizations, outside of organizations with respect and treating people kind enough that you feel like you're really engaged with them and their heart, you know, getting to know one another. I, I think that if we look at organizations and we know how we feel. Right. And especially as women or people of color or people who are underrepresented in any way, you know how you feel. And I, I, after everything we've gone through in the last two years, just recognizing that how you feel is how it really is, right? And so if you trust that feeling inside your heart and you know that what you're feeling is true and it's got to be true, then it's time to move on. Don't stick around. Don't stay there. If, if, if I learned nothing in the last three or four years, it's that there's life after the last thing that you thought there wasn't life after. Pick up your, you know, pick up your boots and pull up your socks and move on because you are empowered to do that. So I really feel that if if we just understand when we're not feeling good, it's time to go and move on because then what happens is that the organizations that aren't true that that are putting numbers on the board, you know, we have this many diverse people in our company, but their leadership never changes and they're not truly inclusive in terms of who they promote and so on. If we all just decide when it feels wrong, it is wrong and we keep moving, they won't be able to hire anymore. And so, and I think that is our power and that is our strength to believe, you know, in the best intentions and to, and to follow your instinct and work where you feel really good and where you feel really rewarded. And that would truly be my best advice. Well, you always give the best advice, I must say, Mary. Thank you so much for that. I think that that will sit with a lot of folks and make them think. So thank you for that. Let's let's get back up to speed to today and talk about what you're currently doing and the impact that you're making. So 
through the transition, which we really didn't talk about in my career, I was, you know, the one thing I will go back to that I want to say is that in 1981, when I was old enough to drink and I entered the industry, and I say that with a smile, they asked me, um, I was married and they asked me if I was planning to have babies in the interview. So I just hope that there are no longer people asking women that in interviews. Um, I think some things have changed. So I want to give people a little bit of credit. And then they asked if they could interview my husband to see if it was okay with him if I traveled. And in those days, that was okay. So when you start at that level, Bridget, I think you find that there's, there's change and it's good change, but it's just, it's a long way to climb. I mean, you're, it's a big, deep hole that we're climbing out of. And so that's why I say, follow your heart, you know, because you know, when it's not right and keep on moving. So today I'm in talent development. I'm uh, no longer employed in the beverage industry, but I am in the food industry. I work in a, in a company that is very engaged with food service, with um, uh, manufacturing in the, in the food industry across the globe. And the reason for the change was it was simply time for a change. You know, you've got to follow that instinct and follow your heart and keep moving. And so I did, and I took a little bit of time and did a couple of things. One was a little stint in cannabis, which truly was delightful. And the most delightful part of that was that is an industry where everyone is accepted. It doesn't matter what color you are, what gender you are, what age you are. They truly accept all people. And it's an environment where it's a joy to work. I have never had an experience like that. And I, you know, I, 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 it wasn't the cannabis that gave me that experience. It was the people I worked with that gave me that experience. And, you know, just the welcomeness and the inclusion. And I learned in that environment what inclusion was. And while I was out in Northern California doing my little stint through cannabis, of course, you know, I was in the wine country and, you know, wine is everything. And I was recruited by this massive food company to come and work with them and put their, you know, really work with their talent development and their talent development strategy. So that's where I'm at today. I'm working with a company that has about 13,000 employees globally that is truly interested. You know, you talk about what people do with PR when they want to be inclusive. And then you talk about what companies have in their heart. And it's an organization that truly has that inclusion at the top of their list in their heart. And so it really matches my values. I'm able there to work with them on training people, developing people, inspiring people. And so what it did is it put beverage into a place that has to be my hobby, my passion, my love, and my hobby. And it truly is. And I still get to work with people in the food business. Well, I think that the path follows you a bit as well. I know that you do have a love for beverage, but you also have a love for flavor and for flavor combinations. And you also have a huge passion for education and for training, which is at the core of you is education and educating others. So they go out into the world and they're better for it. Mary, can you tell us what company you work for? Sure. I work for McCormick Spice Company. They're headquartered in Hunt Valley, Maryland, and they're global. And they're a great global citizen. And I've been with them for almost two years. Wow, that's amazing. I have so many other spices in my cupboard. <laughs> so at the core of you, Mary, is truly a, a, is being an educator. Yeah. You know, overall. 
Can you give some tips to our listeners for those who are in the training position? You know, so many of us are out there, you know, training the trainer, training up folks, whether it be on a beverage menu, might be internally, but what are some great tips that you can share from your experience? Well, first of all, that, that there's never enough wine trainings or cocktail trainings in the world that you can do. There's millions of people who need more knowledge everywhere, any given day of the week. So it's a great field to be in, to help train, particularly in beverage. You know, I was a, a, in college, I was a special education major, and it was a perfect thing for me because when I was a little girl, I would play teacher and I would like line up my teddy bears. And I used to think everybody did this, but it turns out as an adult, I've learned that really nobody did this, but I would like make lesson plans for, for my teddy bears and so on. And so the great thing about being in beverage is that everybody always needs to learn, you know, believe it or not, I taught wine education. Obviously, you know, we've talked a lot about mixology in the years in the past together, but, you know, today I train people on a lot of different skills, mostly, mostly coaching and, and leadership and development and, you know, uh, working together, communicating, having a global mindset, all those incredible skills. And what I would say the most important thing about educating is to always be relevant and always know who you're talking to and who you're teaching. All these years later, after all of this education, I would tell you that you do many things over and over but it's never the same audience. And so therefore it's always new and lively and refreshing. It's funny because I recently saw you, Bridget, do a demonstration on cocktails. And it was so wonderful to see the sparkle in your eye, just like always, right? And so I believe that it really gets inside of you that you really learn to love what you're doing, especially when you're training others. And I think it's so true. And I know you can relate to that. Yeah, 100%. Can you tell us um, a bit about what it means to you to be a mentor? And can you give some advice for our listeners how to become a mentee? Yeah. So can I start with mentee? Is that okay? So how do you become a mentee? Being a mentee means that you've got to be open, right? And that you've got to want something and that you have a, you have kind of a journey in mind that you, someplace where you want to go or that you want to explore, and that you have an incredible curiosity. A good mentee is required to help a mentor be okay, right? And so that curiosity is critical as a mentee. Ask questions, understand, learn from other people. And that makes you a great mentee. And by the way, then it makes the mentor's job easy, right? People, they say that, you know, that I'm a mentor, Bridget. And I don't feel like I'm a, I'm a mentor. I just feel like, you know, we're on this journey together. And, and the rule that I have about being a mentor is that you always turn around and give the person behind you your hand, right? So anything that you learn, you turn around and you share that. If you can make somebody better, make their life better, et cetera. And so just living with that philosophy of turning around and giving the person behind you your hand to help them come up with you. That to me is what a mentor really is. And that truly is a philosophy that I live by. Well, you know, I appreciate you and I consider you to be one of my mentors. Um, now, I would love to bring us to today and talk about your current book, our current book, which is called Market Fresh Mixology Presents Life, Love, Happiness and Cocktails. Now, you know, our first book was definitely a labor of love. 
this was a huge <laughs> labor and it's full of love. If you haven't folks uh, yet checked out our book, it is available at Barnes and Noble online as well as amazon.com. Um, but what I'd love to talk to you about, because this book is so unique, not only is are the pictures just stunning and the cocktails are delicious, but let's just talk about the stories because so many of the stories can make you laugh, cry. Some of them are a little scandalous. So can you talk about the idea behind life, love, happiness, and cocktails and how those stories came to life? Oh, well, I don't think I'm going to tell you how every story came to life, but, uh, <laughs> but what I will share for certain is that, you know, behind every, you know, I love to bake too, right? So beautiful cocktails and beautiful cupcakes and beautiful things, they happen at beautiful moments, right? And so Bridget, you and I put that book together over many years, and it was because every time there was a cocktail, there was a story, or every time there was a story, there was a cocktail. And so how could we tie those two things together and really share those stories with others, stories of inspiration, of sadness? Most of the moments were real moments that happened somewhere to someone who we knew, um, and the photography, I think, really kind of goes really deep into that, right? We had one of the master photographers, David McDonald from the UK, do some of the photography of people. And just the power that you see around some of the cocktails, like the Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, the cocktail that was na named after Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you just see the power of the woman in that photography. And so it tells the story and it creates a cocktail. And that was really the goal. The other thing was to, you know, we talked about just inclusion is just you get to make a statement in everything that you do that you believe in just that general kindness and open heart and inclusion of, of everyone in the world. And they should all be represented equally and they should feel at home and they should feel good. And we really got the chance to really take that inspiration and put that into a cocktail book. Can you imagine that? Well, I can, I have it sitting in front of me. <laughs> yeah. And what, what I think is so wonderful about this particular book is not only are the stories so interesting and they definitely tie into the theme of each chapter that they fall into, but as you're saying, like the photography, the people that are featured, you know, are of the LGBTQ, for instance, um, community or from the black community. Um, so on and so forth. It's it's as inclusive as it could be, which is was definitely something that was purposeful, because if you look at the folks that Mary and I um, surround ourselves with, they're diverse. I mean, that that's our friends and our in our family that we wanted to represent um, in this book. And so for that, I'm very proud. Yeah. And we get to have a voice in that. Right. So we get you know, I believe in revolution and personal evolution. And so if we all take that stand, then we've made a change, a very collective change out there. And I, I you know, and, and so we got to do that with the book and it, it, it was so easy to write in some ways and so hard to write in other ways, because how would those stories be interesting to everyone? Would they be interesting to everyone? You know, and um, what's so funny is just the, the feedback that we've gotten. I've so enjoyed hearing from people that they've been inspired by a cocktail book. Imagine that. 
and um, that they're, they, they just fell in love with it or they thought it was beautiful. And, and those kinds of things make me feel so happy to share those stories. It just means so much that we're able to do that, Bridget. And by the way, the cocktails are wonderful. So, you know, I spend a lot of time traveling from Chicago to Maryland because I work in Maryland most of the time. And, you know, I've got friends and we've just committed that every Friday we're going to go through one chapter and make a cocktail every Friday night from that book until we get through all 50 of them. I think that's a really fun thing to do. And I might do the same along with you. I think that would be great fun. I think that, you know, writing a book is such a special experience. And I'm sure that there's some of our listeners that have thought in their back of their minds, like, oh, I've always wanted to write a book. Where do I start? Do you have any tips as a writer that you could give for those who are looking to publish? Yeah, journal, journal, write things down. You know, there's stories. If you see things through that creative lens, write it down, right? It's like, it's just a different form of art. Just write it down. And, and you never know. I mean, things that happen through the years, over years that impact your heart and impact your life, write it down because you can tell those stories and people might be interested. You never know. I think there's a certain risk though, Bridget, also in sharing those kinds of personal things out there that really reflect who you are inside. I remember before that book was published, I kind of caught my breath. Like, are we really okay doing that? Right. There's something to think. I mean, did that happen to you? No, until you called me and said <laughs> like two days before it's going to be published, you had like a holy shit moment. I think like we're going to yeah. really release this to the world and just unsure of, you know, yeah. some of the the stories. But I'm so happy that we kept everything in there and as it should be, because I think that people can relate. Right. I mean, life is sometimes messy. Life is sometimes scandalous. And life can be full of sorrow, but then it can also be very joyful. And so we did try to capture that on every single page. Yeah. Well, I think that's why it took us so long to write it because we had to move from the sorrowful, depressed state into the happy state and then back there again to keep writing. But I think the one thing that is truly consistent is that the cocktails are amazing in the book and throughout the book. So they're fun to make and easy to make, which is truly, you know, that's Bridget's signature, right? That's your signature. Mary, can you tell our listeners what your favorite cocktail is? Oh, yeah. I've memorized it, Bridget, because you put it in the book in my honor. And it's called, are you ready for this? Mary's Gimlet. Do you remember that cocktail? (laughs) I remember that cocktail because you really like gin. I I love love it when you drink gin. I love that, Mary, that comes out. We should have had you drink gin on the show, too. Maybe next time. (laughs) Maybe next time. I thought about that, you know, but officially I'm still working. So, you know, it's a gimlet. Clearly gin is one of my favorite, favorite spirits. And this one is made with blackberries and lavender. And, you know, it's just, it's so refreshing and wonderful. But also the quote at the top of the page truly reflects, you know, kind of just how I feel every day. And, And I hope it's an inspiration for people who find themselves in really tough spots or places that they don't know. And, you know, just aren't trusting the universe at the moment. This is my, and this is truly what I send out into the universe every day is to trust that wherever you find yourself is exactly where you are meant to be. And that there's a lesson, grab the lesson and keep on moving. And so, yeah, that's my favorite cocktail and certainly one of my favorite things to say. And that's what I keep putting in the universe. So I hope it's true. 
Oh, I think it is. And with that said, Mary, you know, can you tell our listeners where they can find you and where they can find Market Fresh Mixology and Life, Love, Happiness and Cocktails? So Market Fresh Mixology presents Life, Love, Happiness and Cocktails is on barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com. It's available in hardcover or paperback. Both of them are absolutely stunning. And you can find me under, are you ready for this? Mary Barranco on LinkedIn. Wonderful, Mary. On behalf of the Served Up family, I just want to thank you for taking time with me today. And I want to wish you just some great health and a whole lot of peace. So thank you so much for this conversation. I appreciate you. Thank you, Bridget. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!